Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's happening, guys? Happy Friday, and thank you for joining another special episode of Your Welcome. Guys, UFC 286 is just upon us, and remember, it's a special start time. The fights are in London, so it's going to be a main card beginning at 5 p.m. Eastern. You're welcome for that. Coming up on today's show, it's UFC London, and I'm wondering... Where the hell is Patty Pimblet? Plus, I'm going to give you my official predictions, but before all of that, I want to take a deeper look into Saturday's highly anticipated trilogy matchup between Kamara Usman and the champion, Leon Edwards. I was in Vegas, it was fight week, and this guy with a beautiful record, ultimate fighter winner, had just beaten RDA, this guy named Kamara Usman was now the number one contender, and he was going to get a fight his hero, T. Wood. And all week while I'm on location, this happened to be in Vegas, but all week, and I'm over at Caesars Palace, and I'm giving interviews, come over to the Hard Rock, get up to the roof, rooftop over there in Mandalay Bay, we're just doing these different interviews, and mine were all the same. My, my analysis was really quite simple. Anything, Kamar Usman's very good, and anything that Kamar Usman can do, and I mean anything. The way he can punch, the way he can kick, the way he can take people down, the way he can scramble, his strength, anything that he can do, Tyron Woodley can do better. The end. You have two very good fighters here. You have the right two guys. Kamar Usman is the next best thing. But anything that he can do, Tyron Woodley can also do, but better. That was my analysis. And I started to take a look at their records. I started to match up some common opponents. This was a period of time ago, so please don't ask me to do that off the top of my head. I even compared their wrestling. Kamar Usman was the champion of Division Two, and we were going to compare that against an All-American in the Division One. And I took my time, and I gave a good, solid analyst analysis here. Fight ends. We get joined on stage by the winner, who was Kamar Usman. Now, this is the first time I've met Kamar Usman, and he looks handsome. You guys see the cool suits and, and whatnot that he's wearing for, like, his entrance shots. So this is his exit shot. He's got on the sunglasses, got the gold belt to go with it. He's looking sharp, man. He comes up to the desk, and the desk isn't much better than the, the chair and desk I'm sitting at right now. It's not much bigger. We're on a commercial break as Kamara sits there. I got my notes in front of me. We both got an earpiece in, kind of counting us down, you know, letting us know, hey, about 30 seconds, guys. Hey, just getting this straightened out. Just finishing the Bud Light read. Whatever, whatever it is, we're getting this feedback. I say, hey, I'm Kamara. And he does not acknowledge me. And then without looking up at me, he says, heard what you've been saying all week, Jail. And I said, if you heard what I've been saying all week, I didn't say anything bad. And he said, a little salty. I said, Kamara, I didn't know which interview he'd seen. 
but I was on repeat on all of them. I mean, I flew into town and just hit the repeat button. I said, Kamara, I woke up today believing that you were the second baddest dude alive. I will wake up tomorrow knowing you're the baddest dude alive. Neither one of those positions could possibly be taken as an insult. And he thought for a moment. He smiled real big. He stuck out his hand. I shook his hand. He told me, hey, man, it's good to be working with you. I told him, congratulations on your championship. And we moved right on through life. And that energy between us was gone to the point that we are now partners. We will call events together. We'll ride to the venue to do that together. We'll go to a meal afterwards, right? We are now friends. But it was a takeaway. It was a takeaway of something. I've never fully known how to interpret it. The greats, right? The fine line between genius and insanity. What is going to make a guy angry and what is going to motivate him? What is going to make him pissed off and get in the gym and get better at damaging opponents? What kind of little shots could I say that built him up? But even as a stranger, a guy that had never met him, what little things could I say that brought him down, that he hurt and he didn't appreciate? And when you start to understand that these guys are just human beings, you then want to wonder, well, how human is he? And I will tell you on a very personal note, this is where I am stuck. How personal and how regular and how normal is Kamar Usman? Because I wouldn't think he's as regular and normal as me, as the average guy. Because he has such an unusual and abnormal set of skills. Grit, heart, determination. Ability to dig, put up with adversity. I mean, he is stronger in a lot of those boxes than what you would refer to as normal. How is this loss affecting him? And this is a conundrum, guys. When this fight is over between Kamara and Leon, it's going to be totally obvious. Totally obvious. I mean, Monday morning's going to roll around after Kamara Usman runs over him. Runs over him and takes that belt and takes it back. He's holding that belt in the air and, and there's a uh, shot of there's... Leon is still on the canvas. Maybe he's made it to his knees as he look around at the cheering crowd and what has happened and what once was. That either comes along Monday with the headline supporting the notion of Kamara Usman being completely dedicated and being completely focused on getting this belt back. That's why you haven't heard from him. That's why he has not done the media. That's why he didn't do the rounds in the U.S. That's why he didn't get out to England early and do the rounds there either. He's 100% buckled and focused down. Hasn't had a candy bar in four months, right? But I mean, you know guys like that? I was in bed every night at 8 o'clock, but you know guys like that? Kumar Usman, I don't know what he's doing because he's been so quiet right now, but he would definitely appear that he is in the buckle down, complete focus and dedication to getting this back. That's what it would appear. The other side of the coin is we're choosing that appearance because it makes most sense for a champion to do and because we have no other evidence. I mean, I could argue for you very easily that Kamar Usman putting his head down, not telling us who he's training with, not showing us clips of what he's training and working on, not welcoming him into our homes, not doing the interviews, not campaigning, not pleading with Dana White to get this fight booked in the first place. Not shooing everybody back. There was rumors coming out of Kamara with injury. Kamara never came forward to tell people that wasn't true. 
He did nothing. So now all of a sudden you go, okay, why does this not matter to him? Was he not ready for this? It, it's almost as though he doesn't know it's coming up. Hey, has anybody told Kamara he's got to fight this weekend? It's almost like that. That's how quiet he's been. So the headline is that they're going to come back if he has victory about how absolute buckled down and focused he was, or the headline is going to come back that he overlooked him. And one of them are going to be very obvious. And the answer is within Kamara right now. Kamara knows why he's been behaving differently for this fight. And the idea of behaving differently and the idea of a guy buckling down and a guy putting all of his effort into one thing, as much as that sounds right, as much as you sit back and go, yeah, that's, that's what it should be. That's dedication. That, I'm happy to see this. If it's not what you did last time, why are you doing it now? And in most people's situation, because the last fight didn't go the way they wanted it to. But that's not what happened here, is it? Kamara, it went perfectly. Kamara got all the takedowns, except for the one in the first. Kamara scrambled up from... Any grappling attack. Kamara got his opponent tired. Or punched the opponent and kicked the opponent more times than the opponent did that to him. The judges were gaining favor with Kamara. Like, everything about that performance is what you would hope to duplicate again. But we're not going to duplicate it again if we didn't duplicate the preparation for that performance. And it doesn't appear that we are duplicating the same preparation for the uh, performance. It doesn't appear that way. It doesn't appear as many interviews. It doesn't appear... Many times in training camps, it doesn't appear from different coaches speaking up and vouching for. It doesn't appear to have the same amount of teammates speaking up and vouching for. We spent periods of this preparation camp where his own teammates are saying they don't know if he's going to do it because his hand hurts. Maybe that wasn't fight information. Maybe that wasn't meant to just be folklore on the internet. Maybe Kamar Usman has been hurt this whole time. If we've been told differently, we haven't been told it by Kamar Usman. You guys ever get picked on as a kid? Most everybody can tell some story, but, you know, was it just teased? Was it just teased, or, or did a bigger kid actually grab you at one point? You got a brother in the house? It's likely yes, of course. Cousins you're close to, but even if you talk family, did you have that bigger guy that you just couldn't deal with at some point when your kid grabbed you? Maybe he held you down. Maybe he gave you a noogie. But did it happen? And if it did, could you beat that guy today? That guy that was stronger than you, the guy that held you down, the guy, you know, whether he was being a jerk or you were just playing, in your mind's eye, now that you're grown and there's time that's gone by, you're not that little rat anymore, could he do that to you today? It's a tough one. And this is what we call big brothering. Right, You guys have heard this even within our sport of MMA. You've heard about being big brothered. But it's very real. It's very, very real. And I can't help but be most curious if Leon or Kumar remember it that way. 
I can't help but wonder what do they really feel inside? If you go and look at the last contest, of which the ending was lightning in a bottle, okay? If you go and look at that contest and we take out the ending because we understand how rare that is, what about that match do each guy learn that he needs to work on for when he competes with that same guy? Again, most intimidating thing that a fighter will ever deal with. It is not losing. It is not the power of his opponent. It's not the guy's record. It's not the belt color he has in traditional martial arts. It's none of those things. Those are what commentators say. A fighter is only going to fear the concept that he's going to reach exhaustion prior to his opponent. If you ever have a fighter who's confident going into a fight, he does not believe he has more power. He doesn't believe he has more skills. He doesn't believe he's better. He doesn't believe he's going to win. When you have a fighter that's confident, yes, oh, training camp was great. When they tell you they feel confident, it means they believe if push comes to shove, I can hold up longer than him. If this gets down and gritty, it's a 15-minute fight. We're 13 and a half minutes in, and he's coming at me. I can follow the golden rule and protect myself at all times. That's it. That's it. If a guy is confident, that's what that means. If a guy lacks confidence, that's what it means. It means later in the fight when things get hard, I don't think I can hold up the same as he can. That's exactly what it means. I had a short training camp. I didn't have enough time to prepare. That, that's what it means. It means if things get going hard, I can't push back as much as he's. Given. I, I realize I'm saying that over and over again, but if you did watch that last fight, guys, that's the conclusion you would have to first come to. Leon was not holding up. Leon did not have the energy or the gas left in the tank to reasonably win a round, to reasonably win a sequence. Mathematically, he had already lost the fight. Should it go to a decision? So step number one, if you were part of that last match, if you're Leon, you got to go get in better shape. Now, there's a couple of things that can affect that. And this is where things get tough, right? If you're Leon, do you just get up earlier and run a little harder? Well, there's a couple of things that affect it. There was things that were affecting that match. By example, you had an urgency from Leon. He, he cannot go and manufacture that. He cannot put himself down by three rounds with four minutes left to go. He can't do that. With a life and a dream and the money and the contract and the promise a little boy made his mom. He can't do that. Also something called an adrenaline dump. An adrenaline dump is absolutely exhausting. I mean, it is true. Real exhaustion, and many of you, please don't think, I, I do not attempt to condescend, but many, you don't know what it means to be truly exhausted. You've been tired before. You've had to run to your mailbox and back while your father timed you before, but you got tired. You had to run from somebody while you had the ball that was trying to get, I'm not saying you have a tired to, to reach exhaustion. It's a rare thing. Why would you be? Why would have you ever been exhausted? Why, why would you ever know how hard you can run for how long you can run if a bear isn't chasing you? Why, why would you know? There's not a lot of things in life. It's not because you played baseball. Not because you were, you were part of the softball team. There's very few things in life where you must defend yourself and you must exert to the point that you can no longer move. 
that you will be absolutely numbed with exhaustion. Very few. When you have an adrenaline dump, that's what it does to you and it does it to you fast, right? If you could normally run 500 yards before you reach exhaustion, in seconds, an adrenaline dump can do that to you. When you get excited, when you get on an absolute high of excitement, which is what you would feel if you were Leon and you're on top of your nemesis, and it's the very first round and you have his back and you're coming under the throat, and you can hear Bruce Buffer saying and new. You can feel Dana putting the belt on you. You know Joe Rogan's going to want to talk to you. And not in a consolatory tone. There is an absolute level of excitement when that all of that gets taken away creates what's called an adrenaline dump. And an adrenaline dump will make you exhausted. And that's been the one thing that I haven't known as we lead in to this trilogy fight. I knew that what Dean Thomas was telling us was true. I knew that Leon's goals had changed. I knew that Leon was no longer trying to win the fight. He was just trying to complete the fight. I knew all of those things to be true. What I didn't know, and I still don't, is that because of the offense and the output and the pace that Kamar Usman was putting on him, or is it because he had an adrenaline dump? He thought it was going to be over. A match turned out to be more difficult than he was prepared mentally for it to be. And that's one thing I've never known after that first fight. I remember where I was. I went and saw it at a movie theater. My father-in-law, my mother-in-law, my hot-ass wife. I had Joel. I had Lad. I mean, I remember this moment. Now they're doing that right here at Bridgeport. You can, you can buy a ticket and go watch a pay-per-view. But I don't think they had done it before. I'd never heard of it. So I went down and I'm in an actual theater. I got a popcorn. I got a stuff. I had this great experience when the head kick... Heard around the world pops up on TV. And we had two guys in the movie theater, by the way, that had left. They thought they'd beat parking. They had left when that kick landed. I mean, right, it was one of these really special things. How funny for those guys. Why was Leon tired? Was he tired because of the output his opponent was putting forward? I mean, if that, if that is true, if Leon has to look and go, yeah, man, I was, I was shot 13 minutes in. Shot. I was in survival mode all of round four. If that is the situation, he's in a tough spot. He'll know that in his heart, but he's in a tough spot. And if you end up in a spot like that, there's a number of things that you could do before we get this far. You can find other opponents. You could go to the media and you could try to juxtapose and you could try to get somebody else. You could all of a sudden, like all the fighters, like, oh, just not, just not feeling so good today. There's something going around called a pandemic that I could probably say hit me and probably not have any follow-up checks. I'm only sharing for you. Leon didn't do any of those things. Leon didn't do anything that a guy who has to go face his greatest fear, which is an opponent who can push harder than he can. Leon hasn't done anything like a guy in that position would generally do. And of the possibilities as to why not, you, of course, do have to consider because he wasn't that exhausted. Because he did not feel the Kamar Uzman offered an offense greater than a defense than he could put back. Which would lead you more along the lines of an adrenaline dump, but he hasn't said that either. It's been quite quiet. But you are pushed around by somebody. And you remember that. And it stays with you. 
But what does stay with them here? Was it Leon being completely exhausted? Is the memory that Leon had Kamara's back and wasn't good enough to finish him early and dry? Or is it lean towards Kamara? Which is after I had this guy exhausted, after I'm 20 minutes in and I've hit him with everything, he was still standing there. And he still had the physicality and the mental paralysis to see me dip as he threw a left high kick to my head. Took everything that I ever had. One of those guys keeps the other one up. The big question as we go into this fight, which one of those guys is it? Guys, I gotta tell you, I'm not a big planner. I'm more of a spontaneous guy that likes to do things last minute and that doesn't always work out great when I come across a fun event that I gotta buy tickets for. Luckily, the Game Time app is here to save the day. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. They have killer deals on last minute tickets with their best price guarantee. You can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped up for all the fun you're gonna have. The Game Time app is really easy to navigate through. It doesn't have a bunch of extra graphics and pages to scroll through. Just search for the event and there you're gonna find the best tickets available. You can even see the view that your seats are gonna have and you can do it all from within the app, which is so helpful. Forget the pressure of planning months in advance. Game Time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event and their Game Time guarantee means that you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, Game Time will credit you 110% of the difference. That's a really generous offer by them. Guys, snag the tickets without the stress by using Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, Use the promo code CHAIL. You're going to get $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and use redeem code CHAIL for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. So here's a name for you. Patty the Batty. Now... I've been in three fights, three makeup sessions and three fights with Patty the Batty. I've never met the young man. That's a little bit weird, isn't it? But he's respectful enough that he hears what I say. And he's been respectful enough to respond. So we've had a little bit of a back and forth. Now, that's old news. I don't come at Patty anymore like I used to come at Patty. When Patty won the fight in England after losing a loved one, I look at Patty very different. But Patty, nonetheless, is an excellent example of what you need to be real careful of. Now, the media darlings post Ronda Rousey, of course, number one was Chemayev. Number two, for a very short period, he lost it, he let it go out, but it was Bo Nickel. The media that Bo Nickel was able to bring in prior to pulling off of the December card, the media that he was able to bring in really was something special. And the third of the mix in the post-Ronda era would be Patty the Batty. Now, word gets out 
that Patty the Batty is charging for interviews. Now, where that becomes a problem is there's nobody that's good enough to do it on their own. When I talked about Rhonda herself, that brought a seat next to Ellen DeGeneres with it. That brought an automatic bid into the Jim Rome show with it. That bought a car wash out in Bristol on ESPN with it. It brought it with it, not the other way around. And I only point this out because when the word got out that Patty did it, now people just quit asking. If that girl is not going to the dance at all, she's already told these three guys, why am I even going to walk up and ask her just so she can tell me no? I haven't heard Patty's name like I used to. I just haven't. And it's been a big miss. And Patty should have corrected that. And he went out and he was he was doing his own podcast, but very quickly, he should have understood just by the numbers, that wasn't his forte. That podcast that he does, no one's listened to. So this is where you need the media to keep speaking about you, which is why you can't be a dick to them in the very first place. You go pick on a little guy from New York, you think that that guy in New York doesn't have a text thread with every media out there? You don't think he belongs to a WhatsApp? You don't think he's got a telegram? We're in one message. He can say, this guy did this to me. And all of them quit talking about him. I mean, is that really what you think? Because I'll tell you another thing about Patty the Batty. He had one of the great minds in sports, Dave Portnoy. One of the truly great minds in sport. Go out and speak about him. And Portnoy actually... Not only loved and supported Patty, Portnoy personally had heat with Justin Gaethje. So you have one of the more powerful voices in sport going out to build a fight of Gaethje versus Patty the Batty. Now, this couldn't come at a better time because you're coming off of a very controversial decision with an even more controversial post-fight promo. They took the cage to your town, and they didn't book you. Not only did they not book you anywhere on the card, they didn't book you opposite Justin Gaethje, which was co-signed by the president of Barstool Sports. That's weird. That's weird, and that's a big miss. And it's not as though the world just thinks that Justin Gaethje is something so damn special that he can't deal with Patty the Bat. Justin Gaethje is a two-to-one dog right now to a guy named Fitzayev. The world apparently doesn't think all that highly of Justin Gaethje anymore. And I only tell you that because some of you say, well, it's a big mismatch. You can't put Patty the Batty against Justin Gaethje. Why could I not? Can't remember the last time one of those guys won in the UFC. I mean, I truly can't, right? I have, I have better things to do, but I can't remember what it was. And I also can't remember the time the other guy ever lost in the UFC. I mean, I just, I'm racking my brain, but I, what do you mean I can't put those guys together? They're not a feature match. They're not a title match. They're not even number one contenders match. They're just a match. Since when is anything so lopsided that I can't just put together a match? But they didn't do it. And Pat the Bat is not on the card. There was a rumor that came out. Right? There was a rumor that came out. It circled in somewhere between people wanting to call him Fatty the Batty. I mean, that was another thing I personally tried to help with. Stop with the weight. It's weird. It's not cool and it's weird. You people that are talking about how many donuts can Patty eat, you, you're not cool people. 
That topic is not cool. That topic has got to go goodbye. But when they pulled Patty out of the media, I mean, he's gone. Oh, I mean, without, without a trace, he has been gone. So whatever he did to the media that does have that discord and said the word, it, it might be more than we know. It might be a little more than a young guy getting ahead of himself and thinking that his words get, get paid for. It might be more than that. I don't know what it was. I wasn't told. I will share with you. I wasn't on the discord. I don't know. But I do know they're going to his hometown. I do know nobody's talked about him. I do know that an opponent that would have been a dream match for him, because it's the match that Portnoy wanted, is going to be on the card. That guy is coming to his hometown and taking the spotlight, and not him. And I haven't even heard that Patty's going to be in the crowd that night. I would trust Patty that Patty's going to be there, but if he is there, what's he doing? Is he there to call for the winner? Is he there to call for the loser? You think the winner's too good for him, even though the guy's a two-to-one dog? Okay, can he have the loser? Should he have one of them? Should he not be in the conversation? I mean, in all fairness, when I do talk to you about phenomenons that have happened within this sport recently, that's a big one. It's a big one you hadn't considered. And now that I bring it to your attention, why don't you tell me, where is Patty the Batty? Gunner Nelson, what do you guys think of this? Now, let's get an official prediction going here. So I, I want the comments from you guys. I, I want a little bit of back and forth. I feel as though I can predict what you're going to say, though. I mean, which isn't the same as me trying to predict the fight. I feel as I can predict what you're going to say, which is going to be a pretty strong audience leaning towards Gunner. Gunner Nelson is as fascinating of a study as anyone that I have seen in my time in this sport who came along and captivated the imagination of the audience. And Gunner did it with a very, very simple gimmick. And it was a gimmick, make no mistake. But Gunner came in, Mr. Calm. He's calm. He's calm. They had to call him deep breath. They had to call him exhale. They had to call him calm. They had to call him stoic. They had to call him expressionless. Gunner Nelson. And it was interesting. There is something interesting about a guy getting warmed up to go into battle that looks as though he'd like to take a nap. There is something interesting about a guy being in the cage, having Vaseline rubbed on him, and then being asked by the referee, are you ready? And that guy, looking like he wants to nap, informs the referee he is in fact ready. And then that guy coming across the cage, still expressionless, and he gets hit right in the face, so that expression doesn't change, or he lands a one-two himself and puts the guy down. It doesn't change. He's not happy. He's not happy. He's not relieved. He's not anything. He's completely expressionless. There is something to the gimmick. There really is. Fedor did it on purpose. That was just, that was Fedor. Fedor was expressionless, where you just weren't going to get a big chuckle out of him. You weren't going to get a big fear or a big rise out of him. Gunners is, is a disciplined portrayal of Fedor's gimmick. It's fine. But the audience has bought into it in ways that Gunner himself would have to look down and read and go, man, these guys are stupid. Right? Like the audience will put it in ways of he genuinely is that calm. 
He used to fight three and four samurais at once while blindfolded. It was special training his father put him through. He is just that calm. Gunnar Nelson was thrown out of an airplane with a blindfold on and no backpack. Didn't know how he was going to land. So getting in the cage fight, it is a calming thing. It's not a big deal for him. Like, you'll start to read these things of folklore. And you got to be like a, like a true level of stupid to believe it. But you're there. Many of you are there. And many of you believe that that stoicness is who he truly is because of some young uprooted belief by his father who was his sensei. And sensei says, as opposed to, he's about eight years old. First time he turned on a pride fighting championship, saw the biggest star of the night named Fedor completely expressionless, and he grabbed the gimmick. Now, the reason I got to call it a gimmick is because we are as people whoever we pretend to be, and that's where it can get tough when you grab a weird gimmick. Like, when your kid gets a hero and he gets somebody that he wants to be like, he's probably going to fall short of that guy, but you like that guy to sure have a lot of strong attributes. Right? If, that, if that guy could be honest and trustworthy and, and, and hardworking, if he could have a lot of really strong attributes and then he fell a little bit short of it, but boy, you got something good. You really aspired to something special there. I, I'm just sharing with you, that's where you got to be careful because we are whoever we pretend that we are. So if you start to pretend that you're this relaxed guy, that nothing matters, nothing bothers him... If that becomes true, you've got problems. And I've seen it happen in Gunnar Nelson fights. I've seen him get his guard passed. I've seen elbows coming down on his head where all I can think is, you son of a bitch, move, 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 block, move, care. Hello? Hello? Is anyone there? Care. But he got so into the idea of I don't care. That when there was an urgent moment and the house is on fire and his family is getting fried, I don't care. I can deal with anything. And I'm telling you guys, and I know Gunner, and I like Gunner, and I'm really not teasing Gunner right now. I'm telling you what you're seeing, and I'm teasing you. He's done nothing wrong. He went out and he came up with a character and a gimmick. He's a goddamn good fighter. Very special fighter. But you guys collectively have taken what he did and you've made it weird. Now, you know the time that floods were coming, right? A fireman pulls right up to the guy's house. He says, get in my fire truck. I got to get you out of here. The floods are coming. The guy said, no, God will save me. He said, fire truck, oh, gee, he's got to go help somebody else. He goes right on down the road. All of a sudden, the floods come. The floods come and a neighbor pulls up on a boat. He's paddling and says, hey, get in. I'm getting us out of here. Guy says, no, God will save me. So the water keeps on rising. The guy is climbing up his house. He's out of his house. He's on the roof. He's on the only dry part of his roof. Everything else is underwater. A helicopter comes from above. They throw a ladder down and they say, get in. We're here to save you. And he says, no, God will save me. Well, of course, the dumb son of a bitch drowns. And when he gets to the gate, he says to God, what happened? I thought you were going to save me. And God said, really? I sent a fire truck. I sent a boat. I sent a helicopter. After that, it was on you. For Gagey versus Fatsayev. Guys, excuse me. 
I, I, excuse me. I, who do you think's going to win? Why, why don't we start with that? But furthermore, how? Let's both play the same game here. If you're like most people, okay, Fazayev is over a two to one favorite. Over. Gaethje was plus 125. So, you know, I'm speaking in real close terms here to just call it two to one. But the truth is, he's more than a two to one. Please explain that to me. If Fitzayev is going to beat Gaethje, which is what that means, at least the folks that got over their DraftKings, that's exactly what it means. But if that's what it means, would you please go one step further and tell me how? And I think that's a reasonable question by me. Because I'm, I'm not forcing you to bet it. I realize you'd get better odds, but I, I'm not asking you to do that. You can take the safest approach you want, but I still want you to tell me how's he going to beat him. Do you feel pretty strong that Gaethje's chin has just been questionable for too long and that this is the guy with the power that can put him down? Do you feel that? Do you feel that this is the guy? Not named Nurmagomedov that's got the wrestling skill to just go tackle Gaethje and keep him there. Or maybe even submit him from the bottom. Do you feel that? Do you feel this is the guy that has the endurance that can put on a pace that cannot be matched, which will gain favor with the judges should it go the distance, which is 15 minutes? Is that what you feel? I want you to finish the thought because I've been so surprised. I don't mean to scold you. I don't mean to scold you at all. I, I come to you genuinely surprised. I, I am genuinely surprised that Justin Gaethje, a perennial number one contender, a, a gentleman who is in the discussions, the very small discussions of guys that could be next for Islam, gets relegated to a co-main event in England, which this is on accident. I mean, right? This is on accident. Justin Gaethje and Fitzgerald didn't get called to England to co-main a pay-per-view. Somebody in an office wrote down Patty the Batty, or they put down Molly the Bolly, and didn't get them. And now got two also-rans that are going to get thrown out there and do it and hope that nobody notices. So I, I just want to share that for you before you go and tell me what a big colossal fight this is because you were talking about a big colossal fight. You're talking about the changing of guard. You're talking about a guy who's been in the top five in a very unique division, right? 155 pounds has 10 really good fighters, but it's got five stars. Ten really tough guys. Five of them are stars. Then you got guys named Gamrot in there, right? I mean, you, you got your tough guys. But it's different. And Fadzayev is a tough guy. He's not a star. Gaethje is a star. The last time we saw one of the stars come out of play, it was Tony Ferguson. And he did this and went and played the guy named Charles Oliveira. And Charles has been nothing but a main eventer since. It changed Charles's life. Charles went from one of those top 10 guys that's pretty good at fighting to a star. He switched places. And they don't usually come out and play. They like to play with each other. They're a very elitist group of snobs. But Gaethje is now choosing to play. Not only is he willing to play, he's willing to do it in the slums, known as a co-main event. And you guys think, with over a 2-to-1 certainty, he's going to get beat by Fitzayev. I would really like to know how. 
Because if I'm giving you a prediction, which is what I'll do right now, but if I'm going to give you a prediction, I'm going to tell you Justin Gaethje. Okay? Now, there's my premise, but I must support it. I must support this with why. Not because he's got a stronger last name. Not because he used to be champion and this guy's never been in talks to fight for a championship ever. Ever. Not just because it's a co-main event, which is light work for Justin Gaethje, who's known as a cardio guy, but we generally see him out there for 25 minutes, and he generally holds up and passes the test for 25 minutes, so 15 is very small. 15, I mean, I can take you back to the, the Chandler fight. Remember how awesome that was? Chandler versus Gaethje, Madison Square Garden. Remember the back and forth absolute tussles that was? And Gaethje never likes to be a great wrestler unless he needs great wrestling. He needed great wrestling when Michael Chandler picked him up, took him off his feet, was bringing him head over tea kettle. Justin Gaethje went down the leg. Second they hit a mat, he hit a leg pass. It is an extremely high-level wrestling technique. Extremely high-level wrestling technique. And it frustrated Chandler. Chandler got exhausted, put his head on the mat, took a minute to regroup, but never exerted that kind of energy and tried to get a takedown and get for the rest of the fight. It was that good of a job by Justin Gaethje. A weapon that he almost never uses to the point that you guys forget that he has the weapon. So you forgot that he has the, the weapon. You forgot that he has the wrestling weapon. You forgot the last time he needed it was Madison Square Garden against Michael Chandler. And he pulled it out and used it perfectly. And you think he's going to do nothing more but trade fisticuffs with Fazayev. All right, fine. You're wise to have come to that. That is a most likely scenario. I don't disagree with you. Why do you think Fazayev can beat him? Beat him with what? Beat him like who? Beat him like how? Is Bobby Green a superior striker to Justin Gaethje? Just striking. Just punches and kicks. Just on the feet. Just in 15 minutes. I, Bobby can't be equal to in your mind. And, and he can't be beneath within your mind. He has to be superior to. Has to be. For the MMA math to at all make a level of sense that Fedzaev can go out and bitch around Justin Gaethje. That's what you're betting. Those leg kicks, those calf kicks, those just aren't going to count. Fedzaev just has some answer to that, that Gaethje doesn't. Gaethje poked his head up when he shouldn't have done it. Gaethje went across the pond for a small, mediocre fight that they didn't even want him for. They wanted Patty for and He's going to go out and do it and win it. Anyway, he's going to go play with a guy who isn't a star, a match he doesn't have to do. He doesn't have to get promised a number one contendership or anything else. He doesn't have to do a damn thing. He's just going to go to England, go do the J-O-B, and go back to the end of the line. That's what you think. I'm not asking you if you think that. That's what you think. That's what two-to-one dog represents. I will not be part of that. I will not be part of that at all. I will not co-sign that. As a matter of fact, I laugh at that. I look at that premise. I, look, I say you're wrong. I say you're wrong first on two regards. If Gaethje, First off, I don't think Gaethje gets beat up on his feet. However, I know if Gaethje does get beat up on his feet, he goes to the takedown. And the takedown from a Division I All-American wrestler, you guys keep forgetting that it exists because he doesn't love to use it. Well, he will use it. He'll only use it when things go bad on his feet, which apparently you think is going to be pretty quick because you can't fight with Fazai up there anyway. According to you, you're two to one. I am not with you.
My official prediction for Usman versus Edwards. Guys, I gotta go with Usman. I mean, I have to go with Usman. I do not have a choice. Right? I can't, I can't stay giving you guys predictions and continue ha handicapping fights if I don't follow my own methods. I just can't do that. If you're going to sit down and play blackjack, you either got to play a black objective blackjack against the table or be ready to lose all of your money. Very simple. There's a couple of books out there. They basically say it's the same thing, but they might have a slightly different interpretation. You must choose one and ride with them forever. I mean, I, I, you're talking about a fight. What would be different now that they're in England? Okay. That is going to be an overwhelming amount of support to Leon. And that is going to be a lack of support for Kamara Usman. And these guys are both emotional. For me, it wouldn't make a bit of difference. But I was fighting at home, I was fighting on, in the other guy's hometown. And that's not just something I would say. Would not make a bit of difference. Would never cross my mind. I don't know if in my life I fought 51 men. I don't know in my life if I've ever fought a Southpaw. And I've been asked that many times. And I've had other people ask me, are you Southpaw or Orthodox? I don't know what it means. It, it, it has to do with what leg you lead. So if somebody says, are you Southpaw? I say, I, I lead my right leg. My son just got in the box and he's Southpaw. Is he Orthodox? Well, he leads his right leg. And I fought many men that some lead their left leg and some lead their right leg. I don't know which did which. Before I fought them, post-fighting them, don't even... Southpaw, or, I don't know. I don't know. So there's some things they just get around a guy. That's all I'm sharing. Hometown wouldn't have had anything to do with it for me. But if you're used to being cheered, right? And you have to understand from a heel's perspective, a heel that comes out and says, I want to be booed. The boos are the heel's cheers. Even when you hear a heel say that, that's kind of because he ran out of time to talk. If you wanted him to continue down that path, he would eventually tell you, I am just fine with the cheers. The cheers are very nice. I like the cheers. He's trying to prove the point to you that he loves the booze, that he knows what is really behind that. He knows what emotion and energy is actually behind that and that it's music to his ears, but he likes the cheers. Sure he does. It doesn't go the other way when you want to be the good guy. When you want to be the good guy, any kind of booze will rattle you. And I'm just going to offer it for you because it's the only piece of this fight that makes it at all interesting. I wasn't interested the first time these two guys fought. I did not enjoy the second fight. The head kick heard around the world. And when Leon grabbed the microphone, he was thanking his mother. Like, that was a special moment for me. I feel towards Leon, like, hey, man, I owe you one. Just, just for him letting us in on that very private and special moment. That's what dreams are made of. It's what all of us would like to have done for our mother. But he actually had the chance, and he actually did it, and it was awesome. It's awesome. If I was to set that hyperbole aside, I'd give a damn about that fight. There, there wasn't a jab to the body and dip down and hit him in the liver, touch him in the head, slip over here, flip his kidney. I mean, there, there was no techniques that I hadn't seen before. There was some pretty good pressure. There's a couple of scrambles, but there was 10 other fights that night that all offered me some pretty good efforts, some pretty good scrambles. There was nothing about this match that I could put into the category of unique. 
So, what do you want to do it a third time for? To get a different result? You kind of get the same result the first two, which is that Kamara Usman can take him down and keep him there anytime he wants, which is Leon is not strong enough, he is not fast enough, and he does not have the endurance to match the wrestling alone of Kamara Usman. Kamara will decide when Leon's butt is on the fence. Kamara will decide when Leon's back is on the monster logo on the canvas, not the other way around. Oh, and the whole time that we watch, I guess we got to keep eye out for a big head finishing knockout because lightning did strike and it might happen again. I mean, guys, that's where we're at. You want to do something better with it than that? Than that? It's a very, very bizarre match. I mean, from, from the time that this fight was announced, it has been canceled repeatedly through the internet. Not through the principals, not, not, not through Kamar Usman or Leon or even Dana White and company, but people within our industry have been able to start rumors that the fight isn't going to happen that somebody else is being looked for, that Colby Covington is in training, that George Masvidal has kept an open dance card. These rumors have come out, and nobody did anything to squash them. They eventually went away on their own, but nobody stepped forward to squash them. As though they thought they had so much power over this match that that wouldn't matter, or as though they cared so little if it were true that why not let it manifest itself? But it felt weird. Three weeks ago, we get the official confirmation this is on. The official confirmation comes three weeks ago. But we never got an interview from either guy. We never got an interview from either guy's trainer. We didn't even get a statement from Ali Abdelaziz, who is known for giving statements. Everybody has been quiet about this match. Okay, great. Stakes are so serious, right? It's so serious. We can't talk to anybody. We can't interrupt any of their training. What is so serious about it? What do you plan to do, Mr. Serious Face? What techniques are serious techniques? I don't don't know. I mean, I watched you come out. I watched you jab him. I watched you slip. I watched you hit him with a cross. I watched you grab him. I watched you knee him. Those look serious to me. But are you now doing certain things that are more serious than that? They're so serious that it enables your ability to speak to the media and to let people know and let them know that your hand is healthy and that uh, George Masvidal is not filling in. I'm just sharing for you. There's a lot of things that have happened here that don't feel like a fight, not to mention, not to mention, I mean, guys, time is ticking. Who fights the winner? We have never been this close to getting resolution within a division, right? We're going to a trilogy. Nobody else could match that. All the other number one contenders that thought that they had a right could not match It's a Trilogy. We couldn't. Boom. It goes to Kamara. But nobody has been calling out Kamara Usman, and nobody is calling out Leon. Fellow 70-pounders aren't hedging their bet. They're not coming out and saying, I think Leon's going to win, and I want to be next for him. Leon's got no heat with anybody. So one guy that says he wants Leon will be the one guy in the driver's seat to fight Leon. But nobody's done that. And maybe it's because they don't think he's going to win. They think Kamara's going to win. But they haven't said that, and they haven't called out Kamara either. Uh, it, this is the first time we got a title fight, only days away. I don't know who's going to be sitting in the front row there. I don't know who's going to be doing the cameo. I don't know who's coming into town. But neither do you guys. 
We don't believe there's a backup fighter. There might be. We don't think that there is. With a backup fighter, then in turn, be next. Is next not chosen yet until we have the outcome? Because if Kamar Usman wins, we're not bringing Colby Covington back. But if, if, if Leon wins, of course we're going to grab Colby. I mean, these are all things that would be going back and forth. And the media guys, we'd have resolution. We'd have discussion. I'd be getting Colby on the phone. And I'd have to go, go over here and call Errol and say, Errol, what, what are you hearing about? There, there were things that would be going back and forth, particularly for a fight that's been announced for five months. We went from this fight is five months away, and we're inside the pocket right now, guys, of this fight is five days away, and nothing has changed. There's not more interviews today. There's not more conversation today. There's not more title challengers today. There's not more people speaking up today and saying, I want it this time or I want it next time. Then there have been in the last five months. Nothing about this fight feels like a fight. We're told to believe that that quietness is a serious, now, now, now I'm serious. That maybe is true. I can only put myself in somebody else's shoes. I want to share for you guys something right now. If down the road, if tomorrow, a month from now, a year from now, five years from now, but a down, time down the road, you come here to see me and this chair is empty. And you come back again later to see me and the chair is empty. Now you come back again and the chair is empty. Don't falsely think that Chael is up to something really big you should probably come to a conclusion that old Chael got lazy and didn't want to show up today. All right, guys, that's it for today's episode. Thank you for listening. And guys, do me a favor. If you got a friend who's just getting into MMA, will you please tell them about my podcast? Tell them to come over here and follow us. Please and thank you for that. I'm hitting the road this weekend, so I'm not going to have a post-reaction show here, but I will be back on Tuesday. Until then, I'm Chael Sonnen, and you are welcome. This is your invitation to the intersection of versatility and design, the kind of experience you can only find in a Lexus SUV. A feeling this empowering is invite only. Fortunately, you're invited. Experience the versatility of the complete line of Lexus SUVs and some of the best offers of the year on select models at the Invitation to Lexus sales event, now through April 1st. Experience amazing at your Lexus dealer.